Let's turn to James chapter 4. If you would, join me there. James chapter 4. I'll be reading the first 12 verses. Privileged to be here again. Grateful for the opportunity. James chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Our Father, we come before you with Bibles open, expressing to you our inability to properly understand and divide the word of truth and apply it to our hearts apart from your Holy Spirit's help. And so we ask that you would truly quiet our hearts and our minds before you. May we with expectant hearts wait upon you to speak truth into our hearts and lives. I pray that you would distill the words that I have today, use them for your honor and glory. May I be your instrument uh, in your hands, under your leadership, and I pray that your name would be glorified and we would be helped. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So my focus today is this. It's very simple. Being at odds with God results in being at odds with others. It's, it's that simple. In fact, it's so simple it sounds trite. Being at odds with God results in being at odds with others. So I, I have been a lover of music since before I can remember because my mother was and she would play music frequently in our home and uh, I would sing in children's choirs in church and uh, music was just a part of my day. It was part of my fiber and so I had an early love for it. I entered formally into musical training and performance at age 10, like a lot of school children, and grew up in, the, in, in and through that system, uh, went to college for music, and uh, performed with a variety of groups over the course of my life for a long time, and still do 
uh, perform publicly quite a bit. And the one issue that continues to be a real critical issue in making effective, pleasing, and satisfying music is very simply to play in tune. <laughs> play in tune. Um, our usual standard uh, here in the West is uh, uh, A440. And so we tune to that particular frequency, that pitch, on a, on a frequent basis. Um, and if we don't all tune to that, we are going to uh, create some very dissonant sounds, some very uncomfortable sounds for the listeners. So I, as I thought about that standard of perfection, so to speak, I think about my Lord and my God, this holy God, this creator. He is perfect, A440. He's, he's perfect. He is the standard of perfection. And so to take this, this illustration and lend it towards my title of being at odds, if I'm not in tune with him and his standard, then I will be increasingly out of tune with everyone else around me. And I very much think of the body of Christ as being this this organism that makes a beautiful and rich music before the Lord with our conversations, with the way we think, our posture towards one another, obviously with how we corporately worship, how we relate to our neighbors, our other family members, uh, to one another in our homes, in our, in our marriages, in our parenting, all, in every relationship, how we relate to one another very much is, uh, is uh, critically affiliated with how in tune we are with God. That makes sense, doesn't it? I think it should. Well, I want to start uh, this morning in my message uh, with a passage of scripture in 1 Samuel 18, beginning with the sixth verse, and it's just a few verses here. Um, King Saul's disobedience that is uh, that we have a record of from the 13th chapter of this same book of 1 Samuel led to the rise of David's successes. So Saul disobeyed God and it was made, it was made evident to him and from that point on basically the kingdom was stripped from him. So it was just a matter of the practical outworking of that. And so this led to the rise of David, the anointed of God. His great victory over Goliath and the armies of the Philistines. And then Saul's increasing prideful jealousy and a lethal hatred. And here we have a record of that beginning with the sixth verse in 1 Samuel 18. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the, the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry 
And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God, who was at odds with God, none other than the king himself, Saul, deeply at odds with God. This harmful spirit rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. No need to go any further than that. This simmering, then boiling, then bursting anger, hatred, jealousy came out of Saul, was turned toward David with a lethal intent. Lethal intent. And I'm here to say today, by my own experience, not just against me, but also sadly and shamefully from me, that we can be just as lethal towards other people around us with our snarky comments, with our judgments, with our critical spirit, with our anger that boils within us at innumerable reasons, for innumerable reasons. When I live at odds with God by disobeying him, ignoring his self-revelation all around me, and especially right here within the word of God, and then I live selfishly, because if I don't live according to God's revelation of himself, then I begin to live selfishly it it is what rushes into the void then I fail I don't just struggle I fail to live at peace and in love towards other people now I brought I brought a portion of this message a few weeks ago at Southside when I was privileged to fill the pulpit for our pastor Greg Grimwood he was on vacation for a week and these thoughts simmered inside of me and I really had a whole nother focus in that message But this issue would not let go of me. It pounded on me. It continues to pound on me every day as I pray. These words rise up before me, and I am challenged by how easy it is for me to be at odds with God and thereby be at odds with other people around me. Pastor James pointedly asks us right here, in the beginning of James 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? What is the source? What is, point number one, the root? What is the root? Beginning with the second half of verse 4, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Your passions are at war within you. This is the unseen. Oh, we work so hard to disguise these things by putting on the right demeanor, 
by clothing ourselves in the appropriate attire so that we can fit in the Christian community or appear to be okay. But this is the unseen source here. Personal pleasure-seeking takes precedence over obedience. For all its intricacies and difficulty in practice, obedience is really, for the most part, quite simple, isn't it? God tells us, just like our parents would say, please do this. Do not do this. Well, we have a choice. But this war that is going on inside of us, it is inside of every human being, redeemed or not, is constantly, constantly seeking the throne over God. Personal pleasure-seeking, taking precedence over obedience. Secondly, we see within this root an unfulfilled desire or a whole slew of unfulfilled desires. You desire, verse 2 says, and do not have, so you murder. Unfulfilled desires. I'm not getting what I want, how I want it, and when I want it. So I'm upset about that. I'm angry about it. It it causes me to be stirred up in my spirit in a negative way. It's, it's, It's a poison that's in the root. And it comes forth murderously. He goes on to say, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And then we have the poison fruit of spiritual hypocrisy within these first three verses as well. Look at what it says here. You ask, or you do not have, at the end of verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Here's a poisonous fruit of spiritual hypocrisy. It creates an empty prayer life. Empty prayer life. All of us have known this sense that we wanted something so badly, whether it was a career advancement, some new position, a whole new job. We wanted some material thing. We wanted a relationship. I can remember as a young man, um, being enamored with uh, a particular young lady. This was long before I met my dear wife, Becky, who's sitting in the back there. Um, Rest assured, honey. (laughs) And I just had it in my mind that this was going to be God's woman for me. And so I prayed blindly. I wasn't really interested in whether or not This was God's mate for me, God's woman for me. I wanted this gal. And so I prayed that way, selfishly. I prayed blind, intentionally, even though I would kind of cover that in spiritual language. Have you done this? 
Have you done this? I can kind of tell a little bit that this is striking some other people in the same place that it has me. So it results in an empty prayer life and a lack of spiritual discernment. Thank God that he did not give me that woman. I had such a lacking in spiritual discernment. He goes on to say right after this, you adulterous people, ouch. James is very prophet-like here. His his word is like New Testament proverbs for us. He He just cuts right to the chase. You adulterous people, he's speaking to me. We begin to whore after idols. These things that we count as being so important that we must have them at all cost. We feel we have a right to that person or to that thing or or to that position, whatever it may be, that is speaking in your own heart right now that you're struggling with. Well, all of this poison root, this root that has become poisoned by my own passions that are at war inside of me, they result in a rupture. We have the root problem. We have this rupture now, and we read it in James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Let's let's look there. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. The one who speaks against a brother or sister judges them, speaks evil against the law, judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? This is very similar to an eruption of a volcano or a fracture that bursts forth suddenly from a dam. Recently, I was, I was watching the news, and I saw that in Iceland, they had to evacuate an entire town. How many of you saw that? Yeah, because there was volcanic activity um, just under the surface of that town, and they noticed it because the pavement started to heave up, and then it cracked, and then it separated, and there was steam rising up. Talk about a disconcerting situation. You're driving to work one day and all of a sudden the road in front of you cracks and begins to separate and you see all of this steam coming out from deep within. There's a rupture here. And it begins by saying that it is evident because we speak against others. It often begins very subtly and then becomes very manipulative. In fact, we can often couch it in a prayer request. (laughs) Oh, pray for so-and-so. But then we begin to throw them under the bus. Because they don't think exactly like we do. They don't maybe do things exactly how we think they should do them. And we speak against family. But it doesn't stop there. I rave at the television. I rave at elected officials. My heart is so stirred up 
and I may have made mention of this recently when I was the last time I was here, I, I think my blood pressure gets dangerously high sometimes if I watch the evening news. So much so, seriously, that I have to be careful about how much of that I expose myself to. Probably, in fact, no probably, much better for us to pray. That doesn't mean stick our heads in the sand and not be informed, but much better to pray than to ruminate too long on the state of our world. I speak against others. Do you speak against others? In what way? Sometimes it's just a matter of our posture, our physical posture, or our countenance, what's on our face. We may not say it with our words, but everybody around us can tell. We're displeased with that person, and we're, we stand in judgment. We're a little bit haughty uh, towards that, that individual. We judge others. We place ourselves above the law. Now, all of a sudden, the law no longer applies to me. It only applies to those that I disagree with or am in disfavor with or they're in disfavor with me. You've experienced that? How easy it is to be angry with someone out on the street for the way they look or the way they drive. When I'm just as guilty of, at times, driving selfishly, potentially cutting someone off, I judge others. I place myself above them. And then I basically become, the scripture says, Pastor James here says, you judge the law. You're actually judging the law. Well, we see that happening very practically in today's world here in, in the United States now. If we don't agree with the law, we just make up our own addendum to the law or we change the law and say, well, that's not fair. That's not right. I'm not going to pay attention to that law. The law should be this. And then just because enough people say that, or they say it frequently enough, then we're all supposed to accept that. I, I think each one of us, if, we've, if we're aware of what's going on around us, have experienced some frustration with that kind of a thing. So we place ourselves above the law. We actually judge the law. And by doing so, particularly in this context of relationships within the body of Christ, we betray and rebel against the judge, the one before whom each one of us will stand one day. And then we seek his throne. We place ourselves as God. We would never admit to that openly, but that's exactly what we are doing. When we speak evil against one another. When we rail against everyone and everything around us. This leads to legalism. I don't know whether you've suffered the pain of being in a legalistic community of the faith. I have over the years been in some churches that functioned under deep legalism. It's very hurtful, and it's all too common in spiritual communities. Even in those who attempt to be very intentional about avoiding legalism, it's easy for us to develop our way. This is the way we do things. And if other people don't 
adhere to that standard of how we do things, how we worship, how we, our liturgy in the, in the service, whatever, then we can get very legalistic about that. And it develops insidiously. And I can tell you that it is felt by people who come in here looking for spiritual feeding, who, who are looking for healing. And I'm not saying specifically to this body. I'm saying within the body of Christ, when seekers, when people who are hurting, when people who need to hear the truth come in to a fellowship of believers and they are met by a spirit of legalism because of this placing ourselves as judges, they, they sense that deep within and it's hurtful and it drives people away. We have to be careful about this kind of thing. Gordon MacDonald, a longtime pastor, wrote in just an incredible work. After failing himself terribly in the ministry, he wrote a book entitled Ordering Your Private World. Any, anybody here read that book? Yeah. In Ordering Your Private World, he relates the illustration of a large store that was locked and left intact the night before only to have completely disappeared the next morning. He was gone. Manager showed up to unlock the doors and open the store, turn the lights on, and the building was gone. A massive sinkhole had swallowed the entire building. Overnight. It was found that underground streams had, over a long period, eroded the soil beneath the store, weakening the foundation. Nobody knew it. He locked up, he turned off the lights, locked up the store and expected to come back and do business the next day only to find everything gone. This is unfortunately, sadly, what happens in too many people's lives. Some of them are ones who have been here for a while and then they're gone. You don't see them anymore. What happened, we ask? Where did they go? Being at odds with God results in the slow, steady erosion of our spiritual health. The collapse of our spiritual lives resulting in ruptured relationships can quickly cause the destruction of our most important communities and result in incredible pain. Thirdly, the response. <clears throat> what should be our response to this poison root and this terrible, harmful rupture? The response is from the word of God. And I, I will say this, and this will sound, again, almost trite. We must go to God's word. We must go to God's word. Most of the self-help and modern market-driven spiritual strategies are ultimately worse than unhelpful. In this culture today, it is very popular to look for the self-help book and has been for a long time. And the Christian community is not free from that seduction. Whether it be through a variety of uh, pseudo-psychological spiritual counselors, and I am not speaking against good psychology and good counselors 
please hear me. Don't, don't write me a nasty note and say that I'm anti this. Because when, but when those sciences are surrendered to the word of God, when this is first and they come forth from it, we can gain great, great help. But unfortunately, what happens is, instead of going first to the word of God, they go first to this man-made philosophy of how we can make things and people better in situations and repair these ruptures. And it becomes ultimately very harmful because it's one band-aid on top of another. And it's not getting to the root. We have to treat the root. So what is our proper response? James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, right in the middle of this passage that I've read. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Well, there's a lot of words there to take your pen or your highlighter and mark. Submit. Resist. Draw near, cleanse, purify, be wretched, mourn, and weep, humble. So let's quickly go through that list. Just let the word of God speak to us as it is. Submit to God. Surrender, in other words. Oh, we fight. We fight against God all the time because that's not what we want. Remember, we want what we want, how we want it, and when we want it. But we must quit scrapping and fighting against God. Like Jacob wrestling the angel of the Lord, you know. Oh, we want what we want. Our wills need to be broken down. We need to say, I surrender. Put up the white flag and quit scrapping with God. Submit to him, surrender. Secondly, resist the devil. Now, a lot of Faith communities will take this and they will turn this into a whole theology. They will turn this into the hallmark of their, of their faith expression. Doing, you know, uh, battle against the devil. And so it, it's, their songs are filled with it. Rising up as a conquering hero against the devil. Fight against the devil. Speak against the devil. I've been in churches where fighting against the devil was a big deal. And I will tell you that in every one of those churches, there was a severe crumbling and eroding underneath the surface because they weren't dealing with the root. You cannot resist the devil without first submitting to the Lord. You must submit to the Lord. You have to surrender to him first because it is only in the power of God that we are able to, to resist the devil. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Third, draw near to God. What does this mean to draw near to God? Seek him through quiet times of scripture reading, honest prayer, worship, and intentional Christian community. Let the scriptures say what they're going to say to you, please. 
Don't be so interested in what the commentator has to say first. Don't be interested uh, over all things in Scripture with what even your pastor has to say. What does God have to say to you through his word? Come to it simply. Let the word of God speak to you simply. Don't get caught up in just doing the daily checklist devotions. But take enough time to let God speak to you. His word is quick and powerful. We know this. Let it speak. And then honest prayer. He already knows everything about you. There's nothing you can hide from him. Lay yourself bare before the the Lord. Confess to him where you've struggled. Confess to you these things that you have placed as idols in your life that have put spiritual blinders on you. Honest prayer. Worship through the day. Remember him. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Cry out to him. Sing a little chorus. Uh, Quote the word of God from heart. Worship the Lord through the day. Commit yourself to him before you go to bed at night. And then be intentional about your Christian community. In this day and age, it is far too easy to look at Sunday as kind of a cursory thing. Well, if I can go, if I'm feeling well enough. Beloved, if we approached our vocations this way we would be out the door within a week you would have no income it seems we only treat the church this way if it's convenient if I'm not going to be here and there this is not against having some time away everybody needs some time away everybody needs a vacation where you go somewhere else but listen intentional Christian community You and I will die without it. We were never meant to be alone. Come with a sense of intent. Oh God, I offer myself to you. I offer myself to corporate worship. I surrender my own preferences for the greater good. I come expecting to be used of you, God, to encourage someone else and to be encouraged or maybe to be admonished and corrected. Come with intent. Come with intent. Fourthly, here in this passage, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, purge the sources of defilement and disobedience. To both the practical and the internal. As we think in our hearts, so are we. So we have to go to the root. We have to remove some things that drag our hearts away from God. That take our eyes off of him. Next, lament. Lament. What, what, this, is, this is hard. I, I've been running in circles for the last number of years, uh, musically as well as just in the preaching that I listen to that makes much of this particular spiritual gift. Lament. To meditate on the implications of our fallen state and on our frequent sins against the holy God. It's good for us to do this. The people who tell you that you only need to be happy, happy, happy all the time and that no one should ever see you sad or broken or weeping, 
they're not telling you the truth from God's word. We have to do some, some serious spiritual work before God. Don't be afraid to weep before the Lord. Don't be afraid to lament the fact that your fallen state that you live in this Adam body, this Eve body, results in all sorts of brokenness in relationships and in your attitudes and oh we've got to be willing to do business with God in this way lament and then humble yourself before God prostrate yourself before God not necessarily physically but if that helps you do it lay yourself bare before him Augustine taught in his first homily on Psalm 84, quote, he said this, Jesus first humbled himself. He descended to our earthly estate in this lower life. We are all tempted constantly to live according to the flesh, tempted to base our thinking and actions only on what we can see and hear and feel and know with human senses. This is the lower estate into which Jesus came. By his obedience to the Father and his own suffering, he entered into our valley of tears, the valley of Baca. Only when we take the same position, obedience to God, patience in all that he leads us through, do we begin to ascend in him. In loneliness, we find our heart. In lowliness, we find our heights. Those who want to ascend to spiritual heights without passing through the valley of humility find themselves turned back. Let me read that last sentence one more time. Those who want to ascend to spiritual heights without passing through the valley of humility find themselves turned back. Seth mentioned very appropriately that we enter into the season of Advent beginning next Sunday. Advent has meant so much to me and to my family over the years. As we enter into this Advent season, humble yourself before God who knows you better than you know yourself. Seek him. Divest yourself of your many supposed rights. Surrender to God's cleansing, his healing, his filling work in your life so that you and I may be instruments of his glory and grace to others. Let's pray. My Father, the things that draw me away from you draw me away from my true self, the self that can only be complete in you. Little wonder then that on those days when I wander from you, I feel outside myself, isolated, empty, distant, and dark to all that I love. Everything in me that is late to love you today, Father, touch it early with the full dawning light of your love. In Christ, amen.